Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello, everyone. Are you happy, joyous, and free? I hope so. Uh, We are because, you know what? We're living this wonderful, peaceful lifestyle. I'm here with that snarky vegan girl. We've got an incredible panel. We've got Danny Rukin um, in New York City, right? Yep. And we've got Cheyenne Danner in Europe. Where are you, Cheyenne? I'm in London right now. Wow. Wow. Well, this entire team of four women spread out, fanned out across the continent, and Cheyenne is still there to bring you the very latest on what's happening with animal rights and veganism in Europe. And I can tell you that it is exploding. Uh, Additionally, I attended the International Animal Rights Conference in Luxembourg, which was sort of the reason that, that I went there and that this this entire thing happened. Cheyenne happened to be going there and offered to be a contributor. She's been amazing. Danny was also very interested in going to the London Animal Rights March, and she went there, and Cheyenne and Danny did amazing coverage, and we were in Berlin, that snarky vegan girl and myself. Then I went to Luxembourg, and then I went to Zurich. So I would like everybody to give us, I'll start a, and please call, Call, and this is being simulcast on Facebook. Call with your questions, um, and the number is 866-472-5795. We'll answer it because this is a global movement. So what I saw, and we'll let everybody go around and say what they saw. I saw a, a vegan movement exploding in Berlin. Berlin is almost like a vegan city. Everywhere you turn, you see the sign vegan. In fact, after about a day, I stopped taking photos of it because I said, all I'll be doing is taking photos of, um, of these vegan signs everywhere. And um, I will talk in a little bit about how I learned uh, about why that was happening. What is it about Berlin? What is it about Berlin specifically that made their community so open to veganism? And it has to do with the Berlin Wall coming down an entire culture having to reinvent itself without having been brainwashed prior to having to reinvent itself. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Let's go to that snarky vegan girl. What did you see when you were in Berlin? Well, first of all, I fell in love with Berlin because it is so vegan welcoming. It's not only vegan friendly, it's vegan welcoming. I mean, you go into any ice cream shop there, any little cafe, they definitely have vegan options for you. And usually it's not just one, you know, made up option. It's good multiple choices. Um, Everybody was very open to the idea of veganism, it seemed. Um, Everybody knew what veganism was. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just normal. It's like what we're all trying to do is to normalize veganism. It's already been completely normalized in Berlin. Yes. Okay. Danny Rukin, uh, do you want to uh, give your impressions. 
I do. Well, I'm so glad we're doing this because my first stop was in Reykjavik, Iceland, and it was unbelievable. The Reykjavik activists have got it going on. They seem to be in the middle of nowhere, and yet what they're doing is just like so impactful. And the first thing I want to say, not only did we do a Cube of Truth and Anonymous for the Voiceless, which was in the heart of Reykjavik where everybody, international, everybody's walking around. So many people were open-minded, as well as when we did a Cube of Truth in Amsterdam. So many open-minded Europeans. I mean, like, we got to catch up, America. But anyways, back in Iceland, we st- we I attended their first official Reykjavik an- uh, whale save, which is part of the save movement, because they have one of the few remaining whaling stations on their whale fjord. And it's in the middle of Iceland. We all went out there. We did a whale save. And it was it was horrific because they are literally harpooning large 70 some foot whales like like one or two a day sometimes these fin whales and they take them in they're often pregnant these are facts you can go there i'll talk more about it in the show because i want to give people details about what happened with jane and chain also i want to give a shout out to sea shepherd uk is there tirelessly documenting what they're doing there as well as everywhere as well as hard to port they are focused on getting abolishing whaling. And so I'll talk more about it, but that was one of the things as well as we did uh, carriage horses in Prague and Cheyenne and I did the London um, animal rights mark. So that's the overview. All right. Cheyenne Danner across the pond in London. Uh, what was your takeaway from our European uh, tour via Jane Unchained? It is so amazing to meet so many activists around the world and every every area has their own kind of focus within animal rights and their form of activism. So it was really amazing to learn from different activists and to see how global this movement is because I'm from the Bay Area and we have a very strong presence of activists there and I thought, oh, maybe we're special and it's just there. But literally every single city that I've been in, I've met activists that are just as passionate, just as dedicated and just as ready to get this movement going. And I started actually in Barcelona for the five day long vigil in front of a slaughterhouse. And just to see all of the activists there that were fasting, that were there every single day, so dedicated, so moving to see. And um, it's definitely crazy to see um, the different practices in different areas as well. For instance, in Barcelona, they had horses even that they were sending to slaughter, which is something I've never seen before. But it really hit home because it made me realize that there's really no difference. You know, all the animals that are going into the slaughterhouse are all the same in the sense that they feel pain, they suffer, and they want to live and deserve that life. Um, but we're taking it away from them, regardless of the reason. It You know, it's unnecessary. So... Well, one of the things that I took away from it is that we really have to um, target each culture differently. And what I noticed was there were tremendously different behaviors surrounding veganism in different cities. I'll point to Zurich. When I got to Zurich, I didn't really have any expectations. Uh, I had been there when I was a child, when I was about nine years old, and I had this memory but we were there in the wintertime. So when I arrived, it was so different, but it has a very old world charm. People are very different from the way they are in East Berlin, for example, which is very counter culture and a lot of piercings and tattoos and graffiti and veganism. And guess what? In Zurich, what I found was a tremendous amount of vegetarianism. There are vegetarian restaurants all over Zurich. 
and they have vegan options. And Zurich has a buffet culture where they have not just like, you know, Whole Foods where you can go weigh your food. These are fancy restaurants where there's these massive buffets and vegetarian buffets are very popular. I found the world's oldest vegetarian restaurant. Uh, They said that it was Europe's oldest and then I put up Europe's oldest and they contacted me and they said, actually, we're the world's oldest vegetarian. Hittle, Hittle. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. H-I-L-T-L. Founded in 1898. And it is being run by the fourth generation today. It was massive. It was beautiful. And it had a lot of vegan options. So my question was, wow, here we are thinking that, you know, we're on the cutting edge. And Zurich, in its own quiet little way, has managed to completely normalize vegetarianism. There was no sense of, oh, you're going into an edgy place or this is a political statement. Literally, there were families, there were businessmen, the places were packed. And it just occurred to me like this is like any other restaurant. And that's what I think we need to aim for, that veganism, uh, because there were many vegan options, they had a V with everything that was vegan. And I, I would say at least two thirds were vegan and everybody's eating it like and not thinking, I'm eating vegan food. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Danny? Oh, God, I had the same experience. I only I have three words for you in London besides the amazing Animal Rights March, which Cheyenne and, I'll, and I will talk more about, is wolf and lamb. It sounds like it's a horrible meat restaurant, and it's actually an all-vegan restaurant. It's like walking into a regular restaurant. You feel like you're in an awesome vibe. I ran into a ton of anonymous for the voiceless people from uh, from Switzerland, from from all kinds of places. We were all there to fortify after the Animal Rights March. I had raw, there was a my raw, my vegan raw cafe in Prague. It was all raw, all vegan. I had blueberry pancakes with cashew cream. They have, uh, you know, banana, you know, banana chocolate pancakes. It, it's, it's booming. It's bursting. And I also wanted to say that Cheyenne can confirm this. The London Animal Rights March, what I felt it was all about it's like what the, that vegan couple says, you know, the going vegan is the least we can do. And the animal rights March was all about get active. We, without us, they have no one. So I'm slipping into the activism part, but let me tell you, the food was fabulous all around Europe and don't even get me talking about Amsterdam. We'll go there later. All <laughs> right. Well, uh, smarty vegan girl, um, you, you know, you have a perspective because you, you like to approach it from the perspective of I'm an average person in this world and I got turned on to this and um, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of joining in it almost like you're the test case of how we want to get people into the movement well, because you're not out there marching and shouting and doing the signs and everything. Well, I liked what you said about uh, Zurich, how the restaurants are vegetarian, but they're not sort of, it sounds to me like they weren't really shoving it in your face. It's like you just went there and you ate and you happened to be eating vegan food and you really didn't even pay much attention to it. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like what I've heard you talk about the vegan ish. You know, there's a lot of restaurants that are coming up now where they, they have vegan things on the menu, but they're not shouting that it's vegan or that everything starts out vegan and then you can add other things that may or may not be vegan. So I, I just, I think that's a really great way to bring, to normalize veganism, you know, rather than have 
vegan on the on the restaurant mm-hmm. per se yeah. or you know what I mean so it sounds like Zurich was a little bit like that maybe yeah, um and, totally. and also in in Berlin I I noticed that not, there wasn't the word vegan in every vegan restaurant uh name mm-hmm. it was just sort of yeah. another restaurant yeah uh, well there were some that were political like no milk today which well, yeah. was one of my favorite <laughs> vegan restaurants in Berlin not to say that they didn't at yeah. none of them but there but, were a lot that were just Yeah, I mean, I think we have to be strategic about this, uh, Cheyenne, and we don't want to have a word win. We want to save animals' lives and save the planet. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about that from your perspective. Can you, I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear that. I'm trying to say is that what do we learn from all this? We're not trying to win a word. We're trying to change people's behavior, and I think we have to be strategic about it. I mean, if, if Zurich has managed to normalize veganism, and they, yeah, they say the word vegan, but vegetarian, but it's not so politicized. It's just a food choice. You know, it's like going to, I'm going to go get Chinese tonight. Oh, I'm going to go to this vegetarian restaurant tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that vegan, the word vegan is definitely becoming more normalized. We're seeing that there's been such a rise in the the word being trended on Google. And that's happened since October 2010 because of the launch of Instagram. And because so many people are talking about it on Instagram, everybody's posting food pictures and now talking about activism on Instagram so much, it is becoming more normalized. And I think that the more we normalize the term, the more people are going to be are going to feel safe being vegan and saying I'm vegan, they're going to be more proud um, because they're not going to feel alone. Danny, where do you see the animal rights movement in Europe versus here in the United States? Sure. Um, I wanted to show you guys something. Can you, can you see this? <laughs> the reason, let's talk about, okay, this is eggplant parmesan a restaurant that Donnie Moss, uh, Donnie Moss of their turn. And he took me to this restaurant, which is John's like Italian restaurant. It's like a hundred year old restaurant with the whole old school and the whole thing. They actually added vegan. So they just put John's Italian and vegan on their awning, which is like unheard of here in New York city. So Donnie took me there. He goes, you want old world Italian, but vegan. So they also have, you know, the non-vegan menu, but they have a whole vegan menu, which is to me, unheard of. It's a breakthrough. So I'm really excited about that. And um, what was the question about uh, animal rights around the world? Yeah. Where does animal rights in Europe or London compare? How does it compare to animal rights in the United States? Yeah. Well, I also want to say that since I've been in New York for like the last several days, we're here for Kaporos. So I can't help but say, because everything right now in my heart and soul and being is Kaporos, 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 which is the chickens of about 60,000 that every year in an ultra-Orthodox communities and the Hasidic communities, they sacrifice chickens, transfer their sins onto these chickens. So that's happening now. I don't blame these people. This is, this is tradition. Like a lot of people use those reasons for tradition. It's we've always done it this way. This is what the, you know, the rabbi says. Anyways, so I want to show you, we are witnessing unbelievable with the save, the save this year, the save movement has collaborated with Jewish veg as well as Alliance to end 
chickens as kaporos because they use chickens to swing around and transfer all their sins of the year into the chicken. The chickens are in horrible condition. They come from factory farms, which is where everybody who's eating chicken, 98% approximately of our chickens come from these farms. When you see the footage on Jane Unchained that we've been posting and we're going to be having the biggie tonight, you will see the condition and it will, it will devastate you. But we are out there being their voice. Things are changing, but I want to show you the T-shirt, which this means something like um, ending animal. That's part of their tale. It's part of their um, doctrine, which is no animal suffering. So we're kind of pointing out, and I want to show you also. There it is, um, chickens. Uh, whatever it says backwards. And here's chicken caparote. Thank you. Thank you yes. so much. So I want to just say that you know on this you know grand tour, you, you know New York City is a part of it, and I got to say it is. This year, compared to uh, every year, Kaporos just keeps getting more significant and more monumental. And I can tell you, there is a sea change of movement. Uh, very quickly, uh, Amsterdam, uh, they were every city I went to, they are on it. And they all, I, I just don't even know what to say other than there is something so bonding when you're around. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in Prague or Berlin or, you know, London or Amsterdam or wherever, Luxembourg, Zurich. The, the passion is there. The commitment is there. The ethics with the animals. And also, like you said, um, just eating whatever you want to call it, veganish, plant-based. I am not going to split hairs. If people are moving in that direction, fine. And those who really, really get the ethics of it, join us to be their voice. Can I ask a question? Yeah, but let me say something. You're going to go live for us tonight, Danny, right? Yes, we are. We're going very quickly. We're here. Anita Kreitz of the founder of the Save Movement is here with us. If you look at the footage from yesterday on Jane and Chain, you will see unbelievable footage of us giving water and uh, so forth to the, and there's a lot of those police. It's been very peaceful. There have been some tense moments. The footage is outrageous. It's, it's, it's captivating. You have to watch it. Tonight is the biggie where they are going to be. They've been slaughtering throughout the last several days. Today's a big slaughter day. They're slaughtering them as we speak. The condition they're in is horrific. But tonight you will see many of us, if not hundreds of us out there uh, at Kaporos in, uh, in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. And just so you know, we are also live. We were live last night at a Kaporos demonstration in Woodland Hills and also live at a compassionate Kaporot, um that was that was held by a rabbi. And while we're on this subject, we got to take a break, but just very, very important to stress because some people have tried to say that this is a form of that, that, that protesting against the, the unnecessary slaughter of these chickens is somehow a form of religious bigotry. Many, many, many rabbis, including rabbis who were at the protest yesterday and who engaged in the compassionate caparote yesterday here in Los Angeles have said, you can still do the ceremony, just use coins instead of live hens. And I just want to add that there are Orthodox Jews who are saying the same thing, that it's not a blame thing. Many religions and various things do, do similar things. No, nobody gets a pass on this. So yeah, or, there are Orthodox Jews who are changing their ways. And there were many, many, many rabbis who've even signed letters saying, just use coins. Uh, so uh, that that's important to to establish that this is something that is coming from uh, the religious community in Judaism to say this needs to go away and we can all use coins instead. So we're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook and then we're going to come back in a brief second 
but we'll continue our conversation during the break and hopefully take some questions. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Listen for In the Limelight with Clarissa Burt, international media celebrity, supermodel, and renowned beauty and lifestyle expert, as well as founder and CEO of Envelop Her, multimedia platform for women, and sought-after inspirational speaker on women's issues. You'll connect with Clarissa's super influencer celebrity friends and experts as they speak about health, wealth, beauty, lifestyle, business, the love of giving, and the love of living a model life. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to elevate yourself and your business to the next level. What are the secrets of business success? Discover them on Key Entrepreneurs of Influence with your host, Kieran Sweeney. Find out who the business owners are that stand out in their respective industries and what they can teach you. The program contains valuable advice that can cost thousands through a professional consultant. Key Entrepreneurs of Influence can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back. We have a team here from all over the world. And uh, I think you have to unmute yourself. I'm going to unmute you, Cheyenne. Uh, Cheyenne is in London. Let's show the gallery view. Uh, Danny Rukin is in New York City. And that snarky vegan girl and I and little Rico, who's a rescue from Puerto Rico. We are here in Los Angeles. And we are talking about Jane Unchained's Europe tour, which is continuing thanks to Cheyenne Danner, uh, who is currently in London. So what do you have coming up, Cheyenne? Um, well, there are a few things that are in the works. We're looking at maybe doing a few or, or covering a few disruptions that might be happening this week. And we what just finished up. What was that? What does it mean, disruption? Uh, disruption. So uh, some of the activists that are here are going to be going into uh, various different um, restaurants and potentially grocery stores and bringing attention and awareness to what's happening to the animals. So they're going to be doing speak outs, potentially uh, silent disruption where they go in and have like two minutes of silence. 
And it really does bring attention and awareness because people are, you know, like a big group of people that are silent with their peace signs up kind of, um, you know, people people aren't used to seeing that. So they definitely have a lot of questions to ask us and people do outreach while they're there. And so it's very interesting to watch and, and to cover. So that's potentially happening. And I will be going to Berlin on Thursday because the SAVE movement has their convergence happening there. So there'll be some workshops, potentially a vigil. So getting some plans ready for that. Well, I'd like to say one thing. What I noticed is that there is a global phenomenon happening, and there are a couple of groups that embody that global phenomenon. And first among them is the SAVE movement. The SAVE movement, and I wonder if Anita's even there. She might even be there today. Uh, I know she's with you, Danny, in New York City. The SAVE movement was founded by Anita Krines. Uh, a PhD in Toronto who saw pigs going to slaughter and said, this is morally wrong. Uh, these animals are suffering. I have a moral obligation to bear witness. And now uh, people are bearing witness at vigils, at factory farms, and at slaughterhouses all around the world. And this is a global movement and it is cropping up. There are now, uh, I believe, over 400. It's growing so fast, it's hard to keep up over 400 of these vigils. One's happening tonight in Los Angeles, and I'll be going to it right after the Kaporos demonstration, and uh, they're happening all over the place. The other movement is the Anonymous for the Voiceless Cube of Truth, and um, along with things like the official Animal Rights March. Danny Rukin, explain to us what the Anonymous for the Voiceless Cube of Truth and the SAVE movement are doing to sort of put the tentacles out so that instead of it just being organizations, however fantastic they are, scattered around the world, that it's more of a global movement happening with tentacles, reaching out, uh, the commonalities being these visuals at slaughterhouses and the cubes of truth. Sure. I also want to add, can you guys see Max? Yes. <laughs> okay. So Max is just like, he's been my cuddle buddy the last couple of days. So I just had to like bring him on board here. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Um, and also I would like to say direct action everywhere, as we know, is also an added element. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but they also brought, they just recently brought into uh, one of the cosmetic stores that, you know, should be cruelty free and still tests on animals. So it was very creative. You know, it was a disruption in that they brought a bunny and said, you know, would you test on this bunny? So that was very effective. I thought it was very creative. But in terms of the anonymous for the voiceless, I think what's so great about it, and I did a few a few cubes of truth in Europe, and as well as I think Cheyenne, well, yeah, you're one of the organizers. And what I love about it is that it's a great way for people to get involved because you can hold the laptop, you, you get in a square and you can hold the laptop and that has the footage of all, you know, the truth of what goes on right? That's the truth. And you don't have to be like an activist and you don't have to know how to, you know, engage with people in ways that, that could be, um, you know, could develop, you know, uh, engagement in ways that people could actually have a shift. And you can watch when you're holding the laptop, you might not know how to do outreach. You get to watch and see the reactions of people. And I think that actually works really well on the budding activists because, there is nothing like seeing what's happening with the people to really make a difference. So you go out there and you do an outreach with uh, folks who are just passing by. They thought they were just going to go, you know, go do a little shopping and, and, you know, get a coffee. And the next thing you know, they're looking at, you know, slaughterhouse footage and all the horrible things, we, all the exploitation we do to animals. And um, it is so pleasantly surprising 
how uh, receptive people are. And then I think when you go and bear witness, which we also bore witness in, in uh, Iceland, we went to a slaughterhouse and mm. as well, they also do still kill horses there as well. I mean, these are old traditions, whaling there, horses, killing horses, just like Kaporo swinging the chicken and you know, all these old traditions. So, um, when you bear witness, it's very motivating because you feel so helpless. We're bearing witness. The SAVE movement is here doing Kaporos with us, and we are bearing witness to this suffering. It is very motivating to want to go out there and do something with maybe direct action or do something with the cube of truth and reach out to people, get motivated. Does that, does that sort of answer? Yes, and for those people who don't exactly know what uh, the cube of truth is, Basically, and Cheyenne's one of the organizers, you put on a Guy Fawkes mask so you don't have to show your face. Let's say you work at a pharmaceutical company, for example, and you think like if you go to a demonstration, you're going to be fired. Well, you just wear the mask and then you bring the computer, the laptop that I'm looking into. We're all you just take your laptop. You put the footage on from uh, all the things that are on YouTube uh, or you have them on your desktop and you just play them. And undercover it, investigations that yeah, really undercover are undercover investigations showing how they kill all the male baby chicks, how they castrate the pigs without anesthesia, they cut off their tails, uh, they chop their teeth. I mean, it's institutionalized sadism. And once people see it, they can't pretend because you know the whole industry is formulated on you keeping a fantasy in your head of how these animals are raised and rolling grass. These animals never see grass. They never see sun till maybe they peek their eye out of a hole on the ride to the slaughterhouse. So uh, let me ask you, Donna, um, while you were in Europe, did you see a, a sense that the Europeans are more open to animal rights and well, veganism than in the United States? Definitely. But that was the question I wanted to ask to uh, you guys because you were out there sort of with the cute and truce and the marches and the protests. I'm curious to know if the passer buyers in Europe were, were uh, different than in, say, L.A. or New York? Like, were they more receptive versus I, – I see a lot of video of passerbyers sometimes in the States getting really angry, um, you know, because they're being confronted with something that they really don't want to be wanna, confronted with. They don't want to know. Right. They so I'm, I'm curious to know – I mean, I, for, to answer your question, for me personally with the food aspect in Berlin – I mean, there was like no question. It was everybody was very open and very pleasant about uh, veganism and animal and animal rights. We talked to a lot of people about animal rights, and it's just like normal. So I'm curious with the passerbyers, though, that weren't part of your movement or the movement in uh, are they Europe, less yeah yeah are they how, less how did hostile? they how did they react? Can I know on that? Yeah. So I'm an organizer in San Francisco for Anonymous for the Voiceless and also the West Coast Regional Organizer. So I, I manage about 50 chapters there. And what we see is, is mainly people, you know, people stop and they're receptive, but we get a lot of people that are just like, meh, I don't, I don't want to bother, you know, uh, don't, don't waste my time kind of thing. But I've found that especially in the UK, but in other European countries, people are so kind that it really works to your, your advantage because if you just ask them one more question, they feel obligated to stay and listen and fully hear you out and maybe even have a response to that and then leave. But then you ask them another question and they have to stay longer. So you end up being able to have a much more well-rounded conversation with people before they leave. And also they're just so much more respectful and open to hearing what you have to say. At least that's what my, my experience has been so far. And it's been such a nice vacation, honestly, um, in terms of 
not having to um, deal with people saying, oh, don't waste my time all the time. So it's kind of like a, a mini outreach vacation for me. <laughs> it's nice when you get positive responses because what we do is difficult. And then if we're doing something difficult and on top of it, we're getting hostility, it just makes it very grueling. Shannon Blair wants to know, what are the most effective strategies being used in Europe that we need to be using here in the United States to step up our game? Any thoughts, Danny Rubin? You concur with, with Cheyenne about the cube of truth and the response of the Europeans. Hands down, the Europeans are, I hate to say it, America, you need to step it up because they are so, and I'm not saying we don't have, you know, people who are open, but I got to tell you, Europe, um, in every country that we have done it in, they are so receptive. Maybe there is some cultural where they feel, but they are genuinely, once you get them engaged, they are just, it's like a vacation. They yeah. genuinely want to know. They genuinely care. They genuinely mm. want to know what they can do. They usually say cheese, especially in Amsterdam and the Netherlands, but, you know, but what about cheese? But when they hear, you know, the opportunities and the alternatives, they're mm. very receptive. I also want to say this was something very powerful. Actually, this will also answer. Hi, hi Shannon Blair. Uh, this will answer Shannon's question in terms of what's something I noticed is we were also in the Netherlands. We were at the Hague and we, there is a group in, in, um, in uh, the Netherlands called uh, Burning Souls. I wish I had my, I have a little rain jacket I got from them. Burning Souls. What they do is they're an organization in the Netherlands that is a voice for all the animals who are on factory farming operations who actually burn alive. When there are fires in these operations, which are not well you know, established and there's no safety for them, there's no alarms. When there's a fire, the animals perish in these fires. They are trapped as if their lives weren't horrible enough, these agonizing lives, they get trapped. So there's no sprinklers, there's no alarms, there's no escape hatches. So there was an, uh, there was a massive demonstration at the Hague, which is, has a reputation in the history for justice and fairness. And the, the rep, the demonstration was unbelievable. The save movement was also collaborating in that effort, hundreds of demonstrators, but what was so unbelievably impressive. And this is what I think we could really like, um, you know, learn from is that there were, there were many politicians at the Hague who were outside totally in support. I mean, they were unapologetically in support of having stricter rules so that the animals weren't suffering in that way. And that blew me away. And also Esther, I'm going to, uh, Owenhand, Owerhand or Owenhand. She is, she is a leading member. She's a member of the parliament. It's, I think that's like being a senator here. And she's a leading member of what's called the party for the animals. And, and Jane can speak to that because she talked to the head of the, uh, the youth movement there in Luxembourg. And they're called Pink Politique. But that, Shannon, is, is blew me away that they actually have a party for the animals. Esther is coming to New York City uh, the 20th and 21st. She's talking to the UN about animal rights. You're absolutely right. They have a party for the animals. I talked to uh, one of the leaders of Pink Politique at the International Animal Rights Conference in Luxembourg and went live with him. They have five representatives already and two senators. And actually, he wanted to get... Uh, hooked up with Clifton Roberts, the head of the United States Humane Party. So I introduced the two of them because what I think we need to do is get all of these parties. There is a humane party in the United States. And there, as you know, there are these various uh, animal rights parties all across Europe and we need to have them coordinated. And there is strength in numbers. Um, now, we're going to take a, a break in a couple of minutes. But what one thing I want to talk about while we're talking about breaking news along with Europe is what's happening in North Carolina. 
We know we had Hurricane Florence that was downgraded to a tropical storm, and now it's a tropical depression, but there was intense flooding. There are 9 million, an estimated 9 million pigs in more than 2,000 factory farms in North Carolina. It is the second most uh, intensive pig operation in terms of the states right after Iowa, which is known as the pig state. Uh, PETA and Brother Wolf Animal Rescue and other organizations are down there, but one of the problems is that these animals are in warehouses that are far from the public roads, and we don't know what's happened to them. Two piglets were rescued from floodwaters by Brother Wolf Animal Rescue. We brought you the first footage of those little piglets. I'm very sad to say that one of them has died, but um, what's happening to the nine million others, and why won't the mainstream media even cover this? Now, Chris Hayes on MSNBC, and by the way, today is, what, the 17th of September? <coughs> In case you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, September 17th, 2018 is when this is happening. Chris Hayes on MSNBC talked about the pig manure lagoons and the threat of all these pig manure lagoons, because every single one of these factory farms creates massive ma lagoons, like literally lakes of of bleep, you know what I'm talking about, starts with S and ends with T, uh, of manure, lakes of manure. Uh, pigs produce far more manure than, than human excrement, for example. And, and of course, with the flooding, that can spill over and affect people. Well, they talked about that. They even put up a map of all the pig farms. But God forbid anybody in the mainstream media even speak one sentence about what is going to happen to millions of sentient beings called pigs. And I immediately tweeted Chris Hayes, and I uh, quoted Anita, show some compassion. Would you want to just be referred to in terms of what the damage your waste could do? Have you no decency for these animals? These are animals that have the emotional and intellectual development of toddler human beings. And nobody in the mainstream media has breathed a, a single word about them. Not a single word about the suffering they might be going through. And I have looked at article after article after article about everybody worried about the pig manure spilling over. First of all, if we weren't mass producing pigs and basically forcibly impregnating them, which is called rape, we wouldn't have tons and tons and tons and rivers and lakes of manure spilling out and destroying the environment. And additionally, animal agriculture is a leading cause of climate change, which is causing the waters to heat up, which is causing the more extreme weather that is devastating places like Puerto Rico and North Carolina. And we have in Asia now typhoons and horrible weather. So the idea that the best and the brightest in the media cannot connect the dots or refuse to connect the dots about the suffering of these pigs and what is actually causing these intense storms that are getting more intense, it's an abdication of their journalistic responsibility. I'll just say that. And um, we all need to be speaking out and asking and tweeting these these media companies and uh, and. Just like I Instagrammed today, North Carolina, care about the pigs. I'll show you what I Instagrammed this morning uh, because this is super important. Okay? Right there. North Carolina, don't leave farmed animals to die. I, I Instagram that. I urge everybody to Instagram that. These animals are literally swimming 
in pools of water. What's going to happen to these animals in these giant warehouses when you see them on a drone shot? They're just warehouses. There's no place for them to even escape to. And nobody's talking about it. So, okay, we're going to take a quick break. I've, I've said my thing about that. I'd love to get everybody else's reaction. Uh, it's an abomination. And I'm very happy that PETA and Brother Wolf Animal Rescue are on the ground. I'm sure Humane Society is on the ground too. But part of the problem, the biggest part of the problem is that these animals are considered property. Okay? So you can't, it's very hard to rescue them when they're uh, in a remote location in a warehouse. And in order to get there, you'd have to trespass. And then if you rescue them when they're drowning, because their property, it's considered taking stolen property. Something's wrong with that. Something's very morally wrong with that. Okay, let's take a brief break on Voice America Radio, but we'll continue on Facebook. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron. Author, publisher, and life mentor broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. So um, <laughs> we are here with Little Rico. That's Narky Vegan Girl, the Daring Vegan, Danny Rukin, and Cheyenne Danner. What's your tag, Cheyenne? I don't know. Do I have a tag? We're going to have to give you <laughs> one. Give you one. Yeah, we'll give you one. We'll Cheyenne. I like it. We could do something with Cheyenne. That's a great, uh, that's yeah. like an old West kind of name. Um, Native American. It's Native American. Native American. Exactly. Uh, thank you for correcting me on that. Hurricane Cheyenne. Hurricane Cheyenne. Exactly. But, You're a vegan cane. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I, just to wrap up what I was saying before the break, um, when people refuse to look at the truth, okay, 
And I've even been accused of being, you know, oh, well, we know you're traumatized, Jane. No, I'm not traumatized. You're in denial. <laughs> and, um, you know, people who insist that they're spiritual, that they're peaceful, and they continue to eat animals and their byproducts, and then additionally refuse to look at the reality when we are going out of our way to try to present it to them, okay? Um, what do we call those people? I'm not trying to, let's not, let me rephrase. I'm not trying to label anybody and I'm not trying to necessarily Guilty. shame anybody, but I am saying that what they're saying is I want to actively live in a false reality. And I also want to say at the same time that I'm the opposite of what I am. I'm killing on a daily basis, but I want to walk around and tell the world and be treated as if I'm a spiritual person who's actively engaged in peaceful behavior while simultaneously I'm killing, while simultaneously I'm denying that I'm killing and denying that anything awful is, is happening. Uh, that is, I think, if I had to, to crystallize the frustration that I have with people who are not willing to even look at what's happening to these animals. Danny Rugen. <laughs> well, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, I have the same thing. And it's hard when we were confronted with the reality. It didn't take that long for us to go, oh, okay, I won't do this. That said, had I maybe been confronted with it, you know, you know, five years, 10 years, two weeks, a day earlier, I might not have been willing or ready or whatever. So that's where like kind of the sales, you know, the, you know, the sales that I used to do comes in where it's like, you know what, if those are no's, then just go, go just, you know, next, next, just cheat. That's why the activism for me, because then it's just like, okay, you're not listening. I'm not going to bother with friends and family. They're the toughest. Let somebody else wake them up because I'm busy. And that's where, and I also want to show you guys, I have to show you, look at this. This is John's. This is that old school place. Mm -hmm. And they have vegan on there. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, we, you, we used to go there all the time. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and it's right next to where Angelica's kitchen used to be, where yeah. when I lived in New York City, I would avoid because it was too healthy. <laughs> and so, but yeah, I agree with you, Jane. It's really painful. It's really frustrating. And when you said, what do we call those people? You know, we can call them several things. One of them is guilty. And that's the biggest frustration is that, you know, they're on a spiritual path. And they see themselves as, you know, spiritual and they see themselves that they are good people. And that's why it's so hard is they're good, decent people, social justice warriors, all about, you know, we got to do something about climate change. But the minute, you know, you know, LGBTQ, uh, but the minute you talk about the possibility to expand their circle of compassion, they see that they see that it's a personal choice and they can't get that they are now in the role of the oppressor, the very thing that they are accusing, you know, other people of being, it's really hard to look at your own self in the mirror. And that's what we all have to do. But I think how I did it is I didn't blame or judge myself when I was became aware because it, there was nothing to blame or judge. It's just like, we're all conditioned. It's cognitive dissonance and just be willing. I would say to you, those of you who are still eating animals, just be willing to meet your meat. Just be willing to be open to consider, to, to take a look and learn more. I, I love that. And, you know, uh, when you said that it's a choice, 
what I like to answer that phrase is, it's not a choice when there's a victim, okay? Yeah. I covered crime for many years. I was a crime reporter. And if you pick up the phone and say, hey, rub out Joey XYZ, and <laughs> somebody goes and kills Joey XYZ, you're the person who made that call and said do it is just as guilty as the person who slit Joey's throat and they're both going to prison. Now, is that being judgmental? Is that shaming them? No, it's called justice. And so when people say, you know, it's a choice. No, I say it's something you're doing because you have the might to do it, but it's not just a personal choice when there's a victim. And And might doesn't make right. Might doesn't make right. And the irony is that 99% of the people who are eating animals, if you gave them a knife and said, here, go ahead and do it yourself. Go and, and wrestle that pig to the ground and slit that pig's throat, they would be unable to do it. But they're hiring some poor XYZ who has no choice of what job they're going to hold and uh, who gets PTSD, alcoholism, uh, you know, all sorts of problems as a result of having a job that requires them to kill every day. They, so many of them just leave because they can't take it. They'd rather be homeless. Uh, and we Can don't I get something, else. Jane? What? Can I just want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm just loving what you're saying, and it's reminding me to tell people also that, that you know, when you're not vegan and you think about it and you listen to us, you, it, it's so, it's not nearly as hard as you think it is. It's not difficult. It's just different. And once you make the switch, there is a freedom and a joy and a happiness and a liberation. If you look at us when we're not like, you know, devastated by what we're witnessing, um, we're really, there is a, there's an openness and it's just really liberating. And when you realize that you're not participating in that, when you start to align your beliefs and your values with your actions, you are, you are home free and there is something, whatever else you're doing in your life, it enhances, it enhances your relationships, your friendships, your purpose in work, your purpose in life. It really has an impact that is a ripple effect in a positive direction. And Thomas Chang says, thank you, Danny, for saying that about friends and family that don't listen. Love talking to people who are open. And I, I do like what you said about it's a numbers game because, you know, that's what, a uh, therapist once said to me about dating, it's a numbers game. Just keep moving forward. And it's the same concept, or you've said it about sales. Is it, uh, I think sometimes I get uh, stuck on, there's one person I want to change because I know they're good people. And, and it's frustrating to me, but Donna, weigh in on this. Well, I think Danny said it beautifully. I mean, it's, it's, you can't get stuck on the one person that's not willing. And I think that you know, I, I, somebody, I don't remember who, but somebody said they like to say not vegan yet instead mm-hmm. of not vegan. Pregans. They're pregans. <laughs> because I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a journey. And sometimes the journey is longer for other people. It takes a different way of getting the message across. They see something specific that changed them. They hear something, they see a movie, you know, and eventually after seeing all these things, I choose to believe that hopefully eventually it's going to have an impact, but sometimes it takes a lot longer. It takes a lot more images. It takes a lot more truth before they're able to say, I get it. Yeah. And the reason I always have little Rico here is that, you know, he's our representative of the other species. Hello. <laughs> he likes <laughs> to sleep. Yeah. He likes to sleep, sleep on camera. through it. But, but he has, Diva. 
reasons that people go silent in these marches is that he can't say, and none of these animals stuck in these warehouses in North Carolina or dying horrific deaths in any factory farms around the world and slaughterhouses, they can't say, help me, help me, I'm in here. Hey, hey, come on, help me, get me out. They can't say that. They are voiceless in that manner. And so it's up to us to speak for them. So um, let's just, we're, we're getting toward the end of our show. I just want to have everybody do a round robin of what, what did we learn from the European tour? Because I would like to say one thing. As much as we're complimenting Europe, when I took the train from Luxembourg to Zurich, uh, I had a, a kind of a wake-up call. The big cities are totally into veganism. But you get out of those big cities, and I got off the train a couple of times, and I tried to get a cup of coffee, and I was totally, they didn't know what the word vegan was. They didn't know what dairy-free was. So the big cities are changing. But let me tell you, in those small towns, we've got our work cut out for us. Cheyenne. Yeah, definitely. We have quite a bit of work to do. I, I can definitely see that. But I feel so motivated because everyone is getting active for the animals in these big cities. Everyone is forming these big communities of dedicated activists that are willing to, you know, you know, be embarrassed or, you know, whatever it is in order to speak up for the animals and they're not afraid of doing that. So it's incredibly encouraging for me to see that, to see that happening all over the world in various different places in small little cities in Barcelona or near Barcelona and everything. And people are showing up, people are making their voices heard for the animals and it's, it's just so important and I'm, I'm very motivated by it. Danny, 20 seconds. Yeah, the last thing I want to say is if you haven't seen our footage in New York City, as well as L.A., but in New York City where I am right now, of the chickens on Jane Unchained, there's like at least two vi uh, live streams. You have to bear witness to what we are seeing. It's, it, will, it will change you for life. It, it's just that's all I want to say. Come closer when you see suffering. Don't turn away. And we are going to have more coverage tonight from New York City and from Los Angeles where there are twin protests against this ritual that involves swinging chickens uh, around by the head when coins can be used. And many rabbis are standing up against the, uh, the practice as well, including one that we're, we're going to be talking to tonight. Um, Donna, your final thoughts? Well, just on the food end of things, I'm very motivated and impressed with the growth, the rapid growth of veganism. And I was super impressed with Berlin and sounds like Europe all around and vegans grocery stores. And oh Canada. yeah. I mean, for me seeing the, the, the growth in the vegan food, food side of things um, says yeah. a lot. Yeah. Vegans was, is a vegan supermarket. That's like a whole food, but it's just all vegan in Berlin. There's few of them there. We need them all over the world. So thank you, everybody. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, all of you watching on Facebook. Please share this video. And um, let's change the world because we're running out of time. I mean, seriously, eight years, all wildlife vertebrates will be gone. So we all need to switch to a plant-based diet because we're giving planet Earth a buzz cut, destroying habitat, destroying the wildlife in it in order to feed the most inefficient food source, farm animals who eat far more than they produce as meat, thereby contributing to human hunger. And it all contributes to climate change, which is devastating our planet. Thank you and carry on. Join us. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.